continuing there, and we started in Luke chapter number 2 last week, and uh, we're going to be in that uh, in, in one verse uh, this week, next week, and the week after, and uh, looking forward to just really uh, taking what uh, what the Word of God has for us here, and the, this specific verse, this powerful verse, this important verse that uh, so often uh, we, we miss just how important it is, and so I'm looking forward to diving into it together again this morning. Before we do, let's pray, ask for the Lord to help us, and, uh, and then we're going to dive into things together this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us to be able to open your word for a few moments, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to say. Help me, Lord, to only say that which you want me to. And Lord, for each person that's here, God, they come not to hear from me, but to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would intervene, that you would move in our midst, that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. And Lord, I pray that he would find tenderness, Lord, find uh, hearts that are soft and ready to receive your word. And I pray, God, that as, as he finds it, Lord, that your, your, the seed of your word would plant deeply in their hearts. I pray, Lord, this morning that you would um, be glorified with everything that's done, everything that's said. And God, as we think about uh, you coming, Lord, what a wonderful thing it is. And I pray, God, that we would just lift up your name and glorify you today for that. We praise you, God, for who you are. Look forward to what you're going to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look with me, if you would, again at our, our key text, our key verse for uh, these, these weeks. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 11. If you don't have it memorized, I hope before the end of these four weeks you'll get it memorized, all right? That you'll, you'll get this locked down in your brain. You'll never forget it uh, uh, the rest of your life. You'll remember it forever. You'll pull out the Charlie Brown Christmas and listen to Linus tell you about it, all right? But uh, today you get to hear me uh, read it, and I hope that you'll, you'll read along with me there in Luke chapter number 2. Verse number 11, the Bible says this, The angel was speaking, and he gave them good news, and the good news was this, For unto you... Was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Last week we began to dive into this good news that the angels delivered to these lowly shepherds, and we rejoiced in, in the wonderful news that, that, that this was a message for all the world, but on that particular night they discovered it wasn't just good news for all the world, it was good news for them. And it's good news for you, it's good news for me. Run to you, they said. I hope this Christmas you, you indeed do make this a, a Christmas, uh, this Christmas story. I hope that you'll make it personal to your own life. Don't just make it something for all the world, but make it something that is for you because Christ came for you. But that wasn't the end of their good news. No, they were only just beginning. We're just getting started. And today as we continue our dive into the good news from the angel, we see the very next thing that the angel said. And it was a message that he gave that was a message of hope. It was a message of comfort. What was that message? For unto you is born this day. Born this day. You know, when Hollywood attempts to create a movie portraying one of their created gods, so they say, they always show some man with rippling muscles in the prime of his life, right? You know, I mean, like if you've ever seen one of the, the superhero movies or something like that, it's always some guy in, in just like incredible shape in the prime of his life, a specimen of strength and, and of health, all right? Uh, you know, it's kind of like, it looks a lot like this, all right? You know, it's, uh, you know... That, was, that wasn't a joke, all right? So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, just crushed my, uh, my, uh, my mind, all right, and my art. All right, but no, okay, that, that's really, that's, that's what Hollywood, 
thinks of. The character arc usually begins with some, some person that, that can't relate to normal man because they've never experienced what it's like to be a man. But as the movie goes on, what happens? Well, they're able to learn what it's like to be a man, able to identify with them, and there you go. Now you don't have to watch any of the superhero movies. I just told you the character arc of every one of them, okay? But Hollywood, with all of its movies, its actors, its screenwriters, all of them could never write a script as perfect as God wrote in His Word. Jesus didn't just come as a man in His prime. No, Christ was born. And this truth, it's, it's often overlooked and it's often missed, but it's one of the great blessings, it's one of the great gifts that it has given to us. Yes, the good news of, of Christ's birth, it gives us hope, it gives us comfort, because why? Because Christ understands you. And He understands what you are going through. He understands what you've been through in your life and what you've faced and, and the things that, that have happened. He understands. In Galatians chapter number 4, He says in verse number 4, But when the fullness of time was come, at the perfect time, God sent forth His Son, made of woman, made under the law. You see, He was not exempt from the difficulties of life that you and I go through. He understands. And this morning, I hope you are able to find great comfort in that wonderful good news that Jesus Christ, He understands what you are going through and what you've been through in your life. You see, Jesus Christ, He understands your humble life. Your humble life. Christ could have been born in a palace, but instead He was born in a stable and laid in a manger. We saw it this morning in Philippians chapter number 2. Isaac read the verses to us, quoted those verses for us. I love, in fact, last year we went through and we looked at, at some of the responses, the reaction to Christ's birth. And really, Philippians chapter number 2 is Christ's response to His own birth. In verse number 7, the Bible tells us that He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Him the form of a servant. And listen, He was made in the likeness of of men. Jesus could have been the child of royalty, but instead He was born into poverty. He had more in common with the pauper than the prince when He was growing up. When Jesus was taken to the temple just a few days after His birth by, by uh, Joseph and Mary, they brought in to do the, the customary sacrifice that was to be offered for, for a child that was born as they dedicated Him to the and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 2, verse 24, just a few verses later, it says that they came to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, tur of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now this command, this, this offering that they were given, it's found back in Leviticus chapter number 12. You know that book in the Bible that you always, whenever you're doing your Bible reading, I know we're getting close to the start of the year, and, and so you're going to start in Genesis, and it's going to be great as you think about creation and Adam and Eve and and then, you know, Cain and Abel, the murder. I mean, there's all this action. And then the life of Joseph. And, and then Exodus comes along. And, and, and it's, it's good too because it's got, you know, Moses and the children of Israel. And, and, and then they're getting out of Egypt and the plagues and all the cool stuff that happens there. And then the backside. And then they're on the desert for the 40 years there in Exodus. And, and then, well, things start to go downhill pretty quick after that, you know. 
You get to the Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and Leviticus, right? The law. Well, in the law, there's an interesting command that's given. In Leviticus chapter number 12, verse number 6, says, And when the days of the purifying are fulfilled for a son or a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering. That was, that was the customary sacrifice, a lamb. Or a young pigeon, a turtle dove, for a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and to the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord, make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of blood. This is the law that uh, hath borne a male or female. And if she uh, is not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, and one for the burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. The priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. You see, this, this sacrifice that was supposed to be given... The, the customary thing that they offered was a lamb. But if they didn't have the money to buy a lamb, they could offer a couple of doves or two pigeons. Joseph and Mary didn't have the money to buy a lamb. They didn't have the means. They, they, they were poor, lowly. That's what Jesus was born into. The humility wasn't just because of the lack of money, but it was also because of their unusual circumstances. See, Jesus was born to a woman who wasn't married when she found out she was expecting. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, but it was before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. In today's world, it's, it's been far more normalized, but at this time in history, it was the punishment for a young lady who became pregnant before she was married was found in Deuteronomy chapter 22. In verses 20 through 21, he says, But if this thing be true, and the tokens of her virginity be not found for the damsel, then, shall she, then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die. Because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore for her father's house, so shalt thou put evil away from among you. She was supposed to be brought to her house, the door of her house, and stoned to death. That was the command. Can you imagine what this must have been like for Joseph? To be him? Mary comes to him, and she lets him know, that she's expecting. What an awkward conversation this must have been. This woman that he loved, the woman that he was betrothed to marry, this, this woman whom he planned to have a family with, and now he's discovered that she's been unfaithful? The fury he must have felt, the anger he must have felt, as he looked at her and he said, oh, With who? So I'm going to kill him. I mean, like, that's what he would have thought. I mean, like, you know, this had to be going through his brain. Who? Mary? You haven't spent time with anybody but me. What? How did this happen? And Mary responds, well, Joseph, I haven't been with anyone. God put the baby in my belly. Now, would you accept that? All right, you know? I mean, like, Really? You and I, we've heard this story so many times that we're quick to accept it. But can you imagine Joseph? What? Mary, you're crazy. What do you think I am? I mean, I'm not dumb. What are you thinking? 
His response was understandable. Matthew chapter number 1, verse 19. Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. He, he knew the letter of the law. If he wanted to, in his anger, he could have her killed. And at this time, however, many discovered such unfaithfulness when they found this. They, they would choose rather to divorce the unfaithful person and make a public example of their unfaithfulness. So here Joseph is, he's in this predicament. Should he stone her to death? Should he just divorce her and, and, and make a public example of her? He was in a difficult place. Thankfully, God stepped in. We have in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall, be, shall save his people from their sins. I mean, following this revelation from God, now Joseph accepts Mary's expl- explanation. He, he accepts that, that what she said was true, but remember the rest of her family didn't get that dream. Joseph's family didn't get that dream. Can you imagine as they now came to her parents, as they came to his parents and said, Now listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but Mary's expecting, but not from Joseph. No, it was from God. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine what this must have been like? I have a feeling that they didn't expect that good news and they didn't handle it very well. Because... We don't find either of their families again in Scripture. Could it be that the grandparents of Jesus never had anything to do with his life? Could it be that uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were rejected by their very families? What about the friends of Mary and Joseph? (laughs) What was their response? The kids... That Jesus grew up with in school. The label he would have been given as a child not born by his earthly father, Joseph. Yes, Jesus knew what it was to come from a humble life. I doubt that anyone in this room was born in a palace. If you were, we can talk afterwards, okay? I'd love to get to know more about your financial situation, All right, so... The reality is, is most of us were born in far, far more humble circumstances than a palace, but the reality is, is we were in far better circumstances than Jesus. I doubt anyone in this room was probably born in a stable. When we were expecting our kids, I made clear to Tressa I had no interest in delivering a baby myself. There was, that was just not even, not even on the table. I mean, like, I just, uh, we had heard a story and, uh, a few years ago, we had Dwight Smith, Evangelist Dwight Smith here, and they've had like eight kids, ten kids, twelve kids, I don't know, they had a bunch of children. It's not even a big deal to them, and, and uh, he was driving down the road, and he's in evangelism, they're in the truck, they live in the truck, and they're driving, they're trying to get to the hospital, and his wife had the baby in the back seat, and I told Tress, I said, that's not going to be us, <laughs> okay, we're not doing this. Now, if you want to hear a good story, you can talk to Amber after the service, so, but uh, uh, she, she had, a, sir, she had a, a story on that one, but listen, I said, you know what, we're not doing that, okay? Okay, that's that's we're not we're not having anything to do with with that 
baptized. I, when we were expecting, we, when, when Tressa first showed her first signs of labor, I said, okay, it's time to leave, okay? And, to, and then we spent like four days in Bozeman because it wasn't time yet. But I was like, we're not going home. We're not doing this, okay? I mean, that's the way that it was for us. Listen, maybe you came from less than ideal circumstances in your life. Maybe you were born into difficulty. Maybe you were born into a humble situation. You know what it means to grow up in a broken home. Some know what it means to face abuse, to face rejection from people that were supposed to love you. For some, this time of year is not something you look forward to because it's a time where there's a reminder of hurt and pain that you faced in your life. The humility of difficult situations and circumstances. Can I encourage you this morning? Jesus understands. He understands. He was born as a man and faced the humility of a life of true poverty and less than ideal circumstances. And later in his life, Jesus would give testimony of the mass amounts of wealth that he had accumulated when in Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 20, Jesus said to them, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Jesus understood. Friend, it doesn't matter your financial situation, your family strains, your humble situation that you have come from. Can I tell you, Jesus understands. This morning, that should be a comfort to us. He understands your humble life, your humble situation. Can I tell you this? He understands your struggles as well. You ever gone through something and you felt like nobody else knows? Nobody else knows what I'm going through. Nobody else knows what I'm facing. I'm the only one. And and we know in our minds that maybe that isn't true, but our hearts feel that way. Nobody knows the pain that I'm going through. Jesus does. He knows. Hebrews chapter number 4 reminds us in chapter number 4, verse number 14. He says, see, and then we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Jesus knows about the struggles that you face. See, Jesus was born into a corrupt political climate. Does that sound familiar? Oh, maybe not. Depends on what side of the aisle you're on, okay? But, I mean, that's, that was what he was born into. He was born into a corrupt political system. Herod the Great was in, in power, and he was a corrupt politician. He had ten wives and fifteen children from those ten wives, and, and he was so paranoid about losing his power that he had two of his own sons killed because he was afraid they were going to overthrow him. He had, he had it set up where if something was to happen to him, he was so possessive over his wives that he had commanded his favorite wife that he had. Uh, can you imagine what that was like? His favorite wife that he had. He said, listen, if something happens to me, you are to kill her because I don't want anybody else to have her. This guy was psycho, okay? He was nuts. And he was the one that was in charge. So when the wise men came after Jesus' birth, and they came to him, and they told him, listen, hey, we're seeking the, said the king of the east. 
We're seeking the new king, the new king that's supposed to be born. He says this in, in Matthew chapter number 2, verses 1 through 3. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he, born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, we have come to worship him. And Herod the king had heard these things. He was troubled. All Jerusalem with him. I mean, he made a big old mess of things. When the wise men found Christ and didn't return back to Herod, he became so overcome with fury and paranoia that he committed one of the worst acts of murder in all of history in Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, the wise men was exceeding wroth, sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. No, we're not living in the first time in history that wicked leaders attempted to kill babies. Jesus was born into that scene himself. It was a time of corrupt politicians. Jesus knew what it was to to face struggles. He, He endured heartbreak. When Jesus heard of his friend and his cousin John the Baptist's death, the Bible tells us in Matthew 14, His disciples came, they took up the body, buried it, and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. He tried to get away. He was hurting, he was broken in that that moment. His cousin, his, his friend, John the Baptist, had died. Undoubtedly, his heart was broken over this. The Bible only mentions that Jesus cried three different times. Once was in Luke chapter number 19 over the condition of a city. Hebrews chapter number 5 gives us a glimpse of him weeping in the garden the night before his death. But the third time is probably the most familiar. It was the one that, that all of us probably memorized whenever we were younger. And if you didn't memorize it, you can memorize it this morning. Okay? It was when Lazarus died in chapter number 11 of John. It was then the most popular verse to memorize was written. John 11, verse number 35. Jesus wept. It's a short one, all right? It's the shortest book, or shortest verse in the Bible. But what happened? Jesus cried. Jesus knew what it meant to lose someone that he loved. He knew what it meant to be broken, to see those he loved hurt as well. And Jesus wept. Jesus understood what it was to be heartbroken. Jesus faced persecution. Persecution. He was perfect. Never once sinned, never once deserved the criticism, the accusations that were leveled against Him. But they came anyway. He was lied about by the religious crowd, by the scribes, by the Pharisees. He was criticized by His own family. In Mark chapter number 3, the Bible tells us Jesus was teaching the multitudes together so that they could, uh, and they'd all come in. There wasn't any more room for them. And in verse number 21, the Bible says, and when His friends heard it, they went out to lay hold on him for they said he is beside himself the word friends that is used there in mark chapter number three is the greek word para it means family family Jesus is teaching parables to the multitudes and his family, James, Joseph, Judah, Simon, maybe his own mother Mary, they're standing outside the door claiming that he had lost his mind, that he was crazy. 
How many of you are the, you know, you have a, a you know, crazy uncle, right? You know, in the family, you know, we've got, you know, how many of you are the crazy uncle, right? <laughs> okay, uh, there's a few of you there, right? Uh, the, you, you identify. That's what they thought. They thought, man, this guy, he's, J- Jesus has lost his mind. He's crazy. Here he's just t- telling all these people, I mean, all this stuff. Oh, this, he's nuts. They didn't support him at all. He had 12 friends that he chose from the multitudes to do life with for three and a half years. But when the most difficult days of his life came, the days when his life was literally on the line, one betrayed him, one denied him, all forsook him, and eventually one even doubted him. Jesus knows what it is to be falsely accused by those in power, to be rejected by those he was closest to. Jesus, he endured the wage of sin. The one who never sinned was tempted in all parts like as we are yet without sin. Never once did he fall to the temptations of pride or bitterness or envy or anger or lust. But Jesus knew better than anyone just how painful sin is. Second Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 20 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no, sin, knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 8 says, But God commendeth, he demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The one who knew no sin at that moment on the cross took upon himself every sin that you and I have ever committed. Every lie that you have ever told. Every grievance you have ever held. All the bitterness that your heart has kept. All the anger that is balled up inside of you. Every ounce at that moment on the cross, he took it. He felt all of your hurt. He felt all of your guilt. He felt all of your pain, all of your remorse. He felt it all on that moment on the cross. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from Him. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. See, He endured the wage of your sin when He died on that cross for you. And for me. Friend, everything you've ever been through or will ever go through, he understands. He understands. There is no struggle that he does not fully comprehend. There is no place that you can go that He isn't already there because He has been there. And because He has been there, He knows how to help you through it. Isaiah 43 verse number 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. In chapter number 45 verse number 2, he wrote, And I will go before thee, Jesus says, I will make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass, cut in sunder the bars of iron. What a sad thing it is when the one who went through everything for you offers to walk with you through it and your response is 
No thanks, God. I've got this. But that's exactly what we're saying. When instead of turning to Jesus, we turn to anger and bitterness and pride. He's reminding you this morning, He was born this day. He lived on this earth so that He can tell you He understands. There's no doubt some this morning that you're going through some things. You've been through things. There's things that are just around the corner that you're going to face. And you have an opportunity to come to Christ because He understands what you've gone through, what you're going through, what the things that that have happened in your life. He knows what happened when you were a child. He knows what happened at work. He knows what happened in your marriage. He understands. Why? Because He bore all of that, all of the things, all the emotions, all the pain that you feel. He bore it on Himself when He died on the cross for you. And it's so sad that so many take away from the payment that Christ made so that they can take it upon themselves. No, Jesus, your death was not enough. Your suffering was not enough. I need to suffer too. You're robbing of Jesus' sacrifice. Friend, he could have been born, or he could have came to this earth as a man in his prime with all the rippling muscles that Hollywood could put on him. Unable to identify with anything that we've been through. But instead he was born as a baby. Raised in poverty and humility. Faced the struggles of life so that He could die on a cross and look into your eyes and say, I understand. I understand. And you don't have to carry that weight anymore. I know there's probably some in this room this morning and you're thinking to yourself, Kyle, my life's been pretty good. Things have been pretty easy. I, I really haven't been through that much. There may be one or two in this room, all right? The reality is, is for the most part, we've all been through things. We've all faced the struggles of life. We know what it's like to be in corrupt political environments. We understand that. And yet we choose to bear it ourselves. When Christ is saying, I already bore it for you. This morning, can you see the gift of Christ's birth? How wonderful it is. Jesus Christ became a man for you. He was born for you. So you don't have to carry the weight so many put on their own shoulders. He came from humble beginnings, faced earthly sufferings, and he overcame them. He overcame it so you don't have to do it on your own. 1 John chapter number 4, the Bible tells us in verse number 4, you're of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
So with that in mind, I hope we can claim Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 in our own life. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Let that sink in for a moment. How many of us in this room can honestly say that? The truth is, is most of the time we say, you know what, okay, God, I trust you, but I'm going to carry this one myself. I'm going I'm to bear this load, this weight. You didn't suffer enough, I need to suffer some too. Why? It doesn't make sense, and yet we choose. We choose. This morning, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on your own understanding. I can't even comprehend it. But if in all your ways you'll acknowledge Him, He promises, listen, I will direct your paths. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will lead the way. This morning, his birth is a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. You may be here this morning and you're thinking, I'm just going to continue to do things my way. I'm going to remain in the struggle. Or you can choose to turn to the good news. Jesus was born this day. He understands. He walks with, through, with you through whatever shadow of life you may be passing through. And this Christmas season, as you see the baby in the manger, don't forget he was born and understands all that you are going through. And so you can trust him. And I hope you'll choose to do that this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the simple truth that we find here this morning. Jesus Christ was born, and that is so encouraging to know that he understands I pray, God, for each person in this room that that encouragement would captivate their hearts as they go through this Christmas season and they would lay their burdens at the cross because you already paid for it. You already took it on yourself. I pray they'd give it to you. Heads bowed and with eyes closed this morning. If God's spoken to your heart, I hope that you'll respond to him. I hope that you'll spend some time with him. This morning, maybe you say, you know what, I, I, I've come from humble beginnings. I have faced some of the life struggles that you've mentioned this morning. I am carrying a burden this morning that is so heavy. And I realize today that Christ already carried it for me. I don't have to carry it myself. This morning, will you choose to trust in the Lord with all your heart? to lean not into your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge Him so that He can direct your path. He was born as a baby so that He could look you in the eyes and say, I understand. When you think nobody else knows, nobody else can comprehend, He can look at you and He says, I understand. And I hope this morning you'll see that reality and find the comfort in Jesus, 
and his birth and his sacrifice for you.